0: First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen. Um, you know, I know for most of you, you don't get the opportunity to stand up here and present God's word. And I, I just want to let you know something um, that happens each week as you prepare to present God's word, and that is the word is applied to you. Uh, in extra measure that week. And and this short little passage, um, I, I was challenged this week, and I feel like just about every single way I could be challenged to live out these three verses. And I have to start by just confessing that I am an utter failure. Like, what what the Lord revealed and showed to me was just how far short I fall of what he is asking us to do in these three verses. And so um, I start with that confession, we'll read it together, and then I will take a little bit of time to explain it. This is going to be a little bit different this morning, um, because it just felt like the Lord... Leading me in a in a different direction uh, on how to handle this passage, and so if you would, we're going to put it on the screen. And for those of you who struggle with uh, Bible memory, let me encourage you with these verses. Verse sixteen: Rejoice always. Say it with me: Rejoice always. Close your eyes. Say it. You just memorized a verse. Good job. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Say it. Pray without ceasing. Now close your eyes and say it. Pray without ceasing. I see some of you didn't close your eyes. <laughs> That's two verses you just memorized. And our last verse, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Read this with me. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All right. Paul is leaving some final instructions for this church in Thessalonica. He's talked about their social obligations in verses 12 through 15 to one another. And now he's, he's turning to habits that should characterize us as Christians. What what? Should it look like for a Christian to live their life? If if someone is looking from the outside in, what should people see? And he lists out these three things that we need to be doing. These, These are three marks, if you will, of a Christian just kind of laid out in verses 16, 17, and 18. We've got joy, prayer, and gratitude. Joy, prayer, and gratitude. And then he closes these three marks by saying, at all times and in every situation. Now, that that doesn't just go for the last thing, that that is an an appendage to all three of these things. And so I'm going to take a few minutes and just kind of expound on these verses that, honestly, in a lot of ways, I don't feel like they need to be expounded upon. Uh, Rejoice always. I think most people understand what that means. And so, again, this sermon is not going to be as in-depth as I sometimes go, um, and you'll understand why at the end. So verse 16, rejoice always. Uh, Much of the book of Philippians, written by Paul from prison, is a commentary on this single verse, rejoice always. If If you look at the passage in Philippians 4, for instance, Uh, Verses four through seven, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, never forget your peace and your joy. And we need to remember this morning that our peace and our joy, it doesn't come from people. Our peace and our joy doesn't come from our circumstances. Our peace and our joy doesn't come from any other source, but God and him alone. And because of that, we can always rejoice Because it is a constant, right? Reading the, the question and answer this morning, I'm thinking to myself as I'm praying, getting ready to come out here, I'm thinking, man, this is why we need Jesus. Because he does take sin very seriously. And somebody has to pay the price. And we need Jesus in our lives to pay that price that we cannot pay. Do you, do you believe this? Do you understand this this morning, that the only source of our peace and joy is God? Or do you find yourself looking for it in other places? Not necessarily bad places, right? You, you could be looking for it in your relationship with your spouse. That's, that's a good place to look for peace and joy. But at the end of the day, that's not the ultimate source of your peace and joy. Maybe some of you are looking at it from your kids. Some of you are over that. (laughs) Because of your kids. The Lord has taught you that lesson the hard way, right? Some of you are looking for it from your job. From from prestige and reputation and status. Whatever it is, those things will ultimately let you down. The only thing that will be lasting as you're chained to a wall in prison, is God. And it's our job, it's my job, to remind you and to present this truth to you as much as possible. Because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to slip back into our old ways. When the stress of life and the pressure of life come. And again, I am I, saying that from first-hand experience of this week. And, and, and some of the things that I've walked through, and, and I just find myself looking for joy somewhere else other than my relationship with God. And it's important to note that the apostles never encourage us as believers to deny the adversity that brings sadness and grief. But they always want us to recognize in the midst of the most agonizing situation the presence of God through His Spirit. And, and how that can infuse our soul with hope and the heart with joy. And this joy is deeply rooted in the gospel. You can see that in Luke 2 10 through 11. And this this is one of the primary distinctives. This is one of the things that is different about the Christian church than all of the other things happening in the society at the time in which Paul is writing. Joy was not characteristic of other religions of the era. It's probably hard for us to understand because, you know, when we look out at other religions in our day, a lot of them claim to be this is the way to, to happiness and joy especially the false religions of our day. But that wasn't the case at this time. That that wasn't the the primary characteristic of other religions. The the church was unique in its proclamation that joy was at the heart of its faith. Because the source of Christian joy is different. As one commentator put it, Christian joy rooted in the gospel is is infused with hope and grows in relationship with the Lord. The pessimism and lack of hope that generally characterized ancient society found its answer in the salvation God offered through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our joy comes from the Lord this morning. So the reason why we can always rejoice is because God is constant. Even when we're not. Amen? In another short verse, in verse 17, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And If you want a good example of what that looks like, just survey Paul's letters. The introductions. Paul is giving thanks for all kinds of things. He's constantly praying for a variety of churches and situations and people. See, for... For Paul, prayer is not prescribed to, to be limited to these hours, but that, that it should be a common and constant element in our daily life. Right? It's not something we get up and do and say, oh, well, I, I prayed for 10 minutes this morning. I'm good now. I can just live my life, do what I want to do, because I'm going to pray again tomorrow for 10 minutes. And Paul is saying this, this is something that we do without ceasing. And unlike pagan prayers of the the time, which sought to influence the gods to have a favorable uh, outcome, right? They're, They're trying to get something out of these gods. Christian prayer begins with confidence in a God who was their father and whose desire was to do them good as their children. This... Familial relationship that we have as believers is is not manipulation That that was symbolized by so many of the prescribed offerings of pagan rites Right that that's they, they were trying to get something out of the deity that they were trying to worship, right? They if I do this and I do this then he'll be kind to me and give me this That's not what prayer is at all For us as believers. It's it, it's a daughter or a son going to a father and making his desires and requests known to him. And then trusting that the, God, that the good father will give us what we need when we need it. And be our provision. This is the foundation of Christian prayer. And then in verse 18 he says give thanks in all circumstances. Giving thanks to God is an essential part of our relationship to him. Giving thanks is, is a key element in Christian worship. And when I say Christian worship, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the thing that happens 20 minutes before this, I'm talking about your whole life is a life of worship. Here in verse 18, the focus is on daily thanksgiving of believers. Here, the call is, is is limited to thanksgiving in the midst of every situation, good or bad. We're to give thanks. Thanksgiving should characterize a Christian. Just as joy and prayer should be constant in our lives, so should thanksgiving. And Paul exhorts the believers to to offer thanks to God in all circumstances. Not simply when things are going good, right? That, that's the easy time, you know? Thank you, Lord, for this new job. Thank you, Lord, for this new car. Thank you, Lord, for this new house. Thank you, Lord, for this new opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for this new relationship. And that's easy. It's much harder to say thank you, Lord, when you take the house away. Thank you, Lord, when you take the job away. Thank you, Lord, when you take that relationship away. Our life is to be characterized by thanksgiving. And, and this, just to be clear, is, is not the same as calling the church to give thanks for everything that comes their way as if they were Stoics who believed that fate brought them what they were destined to be in their lot. Again, this was a predominant theme at the Of the time. And that philosophy embraced the notion that the universe was rational and and moved according to good purposes. Therefore, whatever happened was precisely what was supposed to happen. That the Stoic response was resignation to every situation that came their way. But the Christians were to approach life differently. As a Christian, we are trusting in a sovereign God who can turn any situation to our good, as Romans 8.28 reminds us, and who can make us more than victorious, no matter the hard times that come our way, no matter what bad circumstances come our way. That's a different way of looking at the world. One is just, well, this is is what it's going to be. Right? The other is believing that we have a Father who wants something good for us. Wanting something better for us. And we may not understand what that is the day we lose our job. But we're trusting and believing in a constant good God who loves us and who desires for us good. And sometimes if we're honest, when we, when we really get honest. We desire a lot of things that aren't very good for us. And the Lord has to rip them away. And that is painful. To open up our eyes and to help us to see what we really need. And when we do, our response should be thanksgiving. We, we should be thankful for that. Not resignation, well, life's going to be hard. you going to suffer. That's just the way it's going to be. No, God, even in this suffering, God is doing something good for me. You see the difference between those two lines of thinking? God wants to bless us. It just may not look like the blessing we think it's going to be. But again, we have a good Father that loves us, who cares about us. And and that's the source of of our prayer life. It's the source of our joy. And it's also the source of our thanksgiving. Paul closes out the the trilogy of Christian characteristics by explaining that, that joy and prayer and thanksgiving are what God has called them to. This is this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We, we should understand this last part again, as I said in, in the beginning, is covering not just the Thanksgiving item, not just the last item. It's not an add-on to that. Th- this add-on in the text is adding on to all three of these. God's call is His, His expressed in His will. It is part of His gift to us. They are blessed by being drawn into the sphere of doing His will in Christ Jesus. The reason Paul is giving us this call for joy and prayer and thanksgiving is is this is is the the highest and strongest imaginable call for the Christian. God's will in our life. And, And these aren't optional guys these aren't like optional secondary characteristics maybe one day I'll get there kind of things these are fundamental for the Christian existence (laughs) this is is our baseline constant They, they stand at the center of God's plan for us But for the church of Jesus Christ, for us to have and express these three things, joy, prayer, thanksgiving. As you look at your life, do you see those three things consistently being experienced and expressed? And this morning, if not, why? And again, th- this week I, <laughs> I I was thinking honestly on Tuesday. I wish I would have assigned this text to Jamie. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> because it was it was difficult, and it was hit after hit after hit after hit this week of things that I thought were taken care of, things that I thought were going to happen a certain way, going the complete opposite. And it's dumb, but even this morning, on the way to church, I get a text, hey, do you know why the internet's not working? I would assume it had to do something to do with the storm, but, you know. So, no live stream this morning. No, no internet this morning. Again, it's a it's a dumb little thing, but it was this week, it was this Sunday. It was just a cherry. Here, let me let me put a cherry on top of the the crap cake you've had this week. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a polite way to say that. You know, yeah, yeah. We're here, we're not live stream. Thank you, Lord. I should I should probably be thankful for that. But but it's but it, it's all of those things that. That, that really rob us of our joy if we're not careful. And, and again, the Lord, like, I, this is not me in any way looking down from an ivory tower, casting judgment, because again, I feel like the Lord has brought me as low as I could be brought low this week to remind me, you struggle with this too. But this should mark your life. This should be who you are. Notice I didn't say what people see, but who you are. There's a difference. It's easy to fake a lot of this stuff when you're in front of people. But it's hard for this to be who you be. Boy, that was horrible English. Amen remember? God, God wants us to be marked. He wants our lives to be different. The looking will take care of itself. But the being, I think, is the biggest challenge that we have as Christians this morning. We're going to enter into our time with the Lord's Supper And we're going to come and we're going to celebrate what God has done for us. And I want you to take some time and really just think about those three things. Joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. And maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling. Life is, life is really bad. And I want to encourage you that God is constant. And I have no doubt that there are people in this room that are struggling with things a million times worse than the dumb things I struggled with this week. But God is still constant. And He is still your Heavenly Father. And He still loves you. And so as you pray this morning, as you spend some time just searching your heart and confessing and repenting of your sin, I want to I encourage you to then come and celebrate with us at the Lord's table. Celebrate that that sin we talked about in that question is being paid by him for you. Not just that sin you committed before you became a Christian, but the sin you committed this week, this morning. While I was preaching, (laughs) it was covered by him. And that should bring you so much joy this morning as you come and worship with us through the Lord's Supper. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sometimes just your simple words that that don't need deep theological explanations, Lord. And Lord, sometimes those can cut us to the heart the most. Lord, you desire obedience from us. More than knowledge, more than sacrifice, you you want us to be obedient to you. And Lord, I pray for each and everyone here this morning that, again, may be struggling with things that are extremely heavy this week. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would remind them this morning, if they are your child, that You are their their father and you love them. And while it may look like everything in their life is falling apart, from your perspective, everything is falling together. Help them, Lord, to have joy. To turn to you in prayer. And to offer up thanksgiving in the midst of all of the life struggles that they face. Lord, help us to confess and repent of the areas and the places in which we have placed our hope other than you. And then let us come to the table and celebrate the source of our hope. The shed blood of Jesus, represented by this cup and this wine. And the body of Jesus, that was broken for us, represented by this bread. And as we take that bread and we dip it into the wine, we we are remembering his sacrifice for us. And may it lead us to a heart of praise.